Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that harkens back to the days where Mary Tyler Moore wearing pants on TV or saying crap was shocking. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. It is Tuesday night and time for another fun-filled episode. So on tonight's show in Pipe Parts, we're going to continue with a couple of uh, lesser-known, uh, well, famous people that also happen to smoke pipes. Uh, my guest tonight is uh, the one and only Rick Newcomb. Rick has uh, written a wonderful article that, uh, to, on Reason.com, and uh, if you go on to PipesMagazine.com right now, you'll see uh, our own Fred Brown's uh, response to reading that article, all related to the FDA, plus we'll, uh, I'll work in some fun stuff to talk to Rick about. Um, mailbag music, rant, all that coming up in tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Um, so around the house, hey, you know what? It's the quiet time of the year again. Yeah, daughter's back to school, holidays are over, getting caught up on stuff, so I've been able to, uh, catch a couple of, uh, football games and just kind of spend some time really, uh, Relaxing and getting caught up on things, including a uh, landmark event happened yesterday. For the first time in 14 years, we now have a garage that is cleaned out enough to put a car in, and there is actually a car in the garage. So uh, that's what I've been working on. I've been enjoying the football games, too, because, uh, you know, it's just... I don't have any. Uh, I don't have a dog in this fight like I did last year with the Panthers, but still uh, some good football games and obviously some teams that I like more than others. Have not watched much. Uh, have not watched much football at all this season until the playoffs here, and uh, you know what? They've been some good games. So I don't know if you. It's also football game is the perfect length for a large size pipe and uh, sitting down in front of the TV and puffing away on my pipe while I'm watching the football game. All right, let's get the show rolling. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company, and here we go. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at one 888 366-0345 and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are smokingpipes.com. Welcome back. In just a few minutes, Rick Newcomb will be on the phone with me. In the meantime, two uh, 
two pipe, uh, two famous people that were also pipe smokers from uh, two completely different worlds, but right around the same time. Uh, Jesse Owens was born in uh, September 1913. His real name is James Cleveland Owens, but uh, when Jesse was a youngster, uh, he was born in Alabama. When he was a youngster, they moved up north and uh, moved to Cleveland, Ohio, uh, when Jesse was nine years old, and it was all part of the uh, the Great Migration of African Americans leaving the segregated South and moving to northern states for uh, better treatment, better opportunities. Uh, but he got the he got the nickname Jesse when uh, he went to uh, went to school, and he said J.C. and in his Southern accent, the uh, teacher wrote down Jesse. And the name stuck, and that was, uh, he became Jesse Owens. Um, we all know that uh, Jesse uh, went on to the Olympics in Berlin and uh, was kind of pushed into the middle of a, uh, uh, of, you know, of a bit of a controversy with Nazi Germany on the rise, and did he, or, you know, did hit, how did Hitler feel about a non-Aryan perfect human, you know, not, not uh, Hitler's perfect idea of a human being so successful in the Olympics, uh, but that kind of uh, that at that young age to be pushed into that uh, into that place in the world, and the uh, German fans adored him. At one point, they were trying to, uh, as he was getting off of a uh, train or a bus, they he, they were trying to cut off pieces of his uh, cut off pieces of his clothing to keep as a memento and. <laughs> So anyway, the the entire Olympic thing was quite a shock for uh, for Jesse. Uh, Jesse came back a success, and uh, there were some rumors over whether or not he did or didn't shake hands with Hitler. Uh, but uh, he was snubbed in uh, in the United States by. Uh, the uh, president at the time, a Democrat, not wanting, uh, not wanting to uh, have Jesse Owens come to the White House, and even in New York City at the Statler Waldorf for an Olympic reception, he was not allowed to use the standard elevators as the rest of the white athletes were. Uh, Jesse went on to do odd jobs throughout his career, and uh, sometimes had to deal with racial tensions and. Uh, that that whole part of his life just kind of weighed heavy on him. Um, Jesse would have been uh, much better off had he uh, stuck with the pipe, but the pipe was just a occasional thing for him or something that he did earlier on. And unfortunately, he was a uh, pack-a-day smoker of cigarettes for about 35 years, and that finally caught up with him in 1966. Uh, but Jesse Owens, not only a... Uh, civil rights symbol and leader, but uh, one heck of an American athlete was a pipe smoker. Uh, the other one, uh, born April 1904, uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer, better known as Julius Robert Oppenheimer. Uh, his parents immigrated here, and his parents came over when they were absolutely dead broke, and his father, Julius Oppenheimer, was a, a self-made man. But... Uh, because of uh, because of the success of his father, the highly intelligent uh, Julius Robert or J. Robert Oppenheimer 
was able to go to some of the best schools and uh right before World War One or World War Two, sorry, uh he was uh Robert Oppenheimer, J. Robert was heavily involved in the uh, Los Alamos laboratory and the Manhattan Project and developed the first nuclear weapons used in the atomic bombings. Uh, He went on later on to become the chairman of the General Advisory Committee of the United States Atomic Energy Commission, and at that point he started started heavily laboring for uh, control of nuclear power and the technology and nuclear pro proliferation proliferation there we go easy word to say uh because he feared of the uh repercussions of other countries having this massive weapons and he even feared of us using the weapons again um oppenheimer was heavily involved in theoretical physics physics all of his life and went on to continue to publish and work all through his years and he was a uh, somewhat regular pipe smoker. So there's a couple of a uh, couple of pipe smokers from early uh, pre World War II and World War II that were heavily influential in what was going on in the United States and what was going on in the world. And I'd like to think that you know what, maybe the pipe helped them have some uh, clear thoughts, and also you know it gave them a little uh, relief from all the stress of the studying and work. All right, in just a minute, we will have Rick Newcomb on the phone. This is Internet Radio. It's Saturday morning at the crack of dawn. The cool chill of night still clings to the air as the sun slowly rises over the misty surface of the lake. You've waited all week for just this moment. You know that today is going to be epic. Everything is here to ensure perfection. From the nice full cooler packed with your favorite suds to the other empty one, waiting to be filled with piles of freshly caught fish. Reaching into your pocket, you pull out your trusty briar and fill it with your favorite tobacco, aptly named Great Outdoors. It is the perfect smoke for moments like these. A strike, a flash, and your tobacco is lit. As the delicious mixture ignites and swirls over your tongue and the deep, rich burleys with a hint of sweet Virginia dance in your mouth, you smile. Casting your first line into the water, the slowly widening ripples begin to stir as you feel the first bite of the day tug at your line. Now you know it truly is going to be a good day and a perfect time to enjoy the simple yet unmatchable pleasures of the great outdoors great outdoors is another fine quality pipe tobacco manufactured by Sutliff, america's oldest tobacco company and is available at fine tobacconists everywhere enjoy your perfect day by purchasing a tin today welcome back to the pipes magazine radio show and uh boy we're really hitting them out of the park because it's not often that you get to have uh a, a a noted collector who's written just about in every form possible, including this article coming up that we're going to talk about. But, uh, uh, Rick, you're too young to be called a legend in the hobby. 
So I won't call you that, but I'll just say that I'm thrilled to have you with us. So welcome, Rick Newcomb, to the Pipes Magazine radio show again. Thank you, Brian. It's always fun. Yeah, so so last time we had you on, it was uh, with you and Sykes, and we had kind of a little round table. But you know what? I'm what I'm really interested in to get started with is wh- what made you start smoking a pipe. Well, it was in the in the 1970s when I was in my 20s. Um, I had become a heavy cigarette smoker. I was a reporter for UPI, United Press International, uh, in Richmond, Virginia, and Baltimore. Um, I moved on to Philadelphia briefly, and I was a very heavy cigarette smoker. And I thought, you know what, I've got to quit. This isn't good. And so, um, and I thought, how? What's the easiest way to quit? And I, you know, tried different ways and found it very difficult to give up cigarettes. So then, uh, the UPI bureau was in the old Baltimore News American building, and in downtown Baltimore. And Fader's Tobacconist was also at that time. I think on Calvert Street in downtown Baltimore, and I yeah. walked over there one time at my lunch hour, and uh, they were just very friendly. And the fellow who um, uh, introduced me to pipes, and, and you know, I, I asked him questions, and he answered them. And I tried to blend; I liked it. I pipe, and uh, uh, then I practiced. You know, <laughs> you don't just um, become a pipe smoker; it takes a while. And it was hard not to inhale. I was smoking way too fast. Um, then I came back maybe two weeks later and decided I better get a second pipe. I think I paid either $5 or $15 for the first pipe. And I paid the same for the second pipe. I was very economical and, and poor at the time and didn't want to spend a lot of money. And um, I bought a bent pipe. And that night I remember uh, I was home and smoking it at 100 miles an hour. And, I, and it got clogged, so I tried to put a pipe cleaner through, and it wouldn't go through. So I separated the pipe, and sure enough, crack the, the shank just cracked right, right down the side. So oh, no. the next day, I went back and said, "Hey, this pipe is broken. It's no good." And he said, "Oh, you opened it while it was hot." And I said, "I guess I did." And he said, "No, you can't do that." I said, oh, well, so he, I think he gave me a refund. I can't remember. He was very nice. And I got a new pipe and learned. A little more about pipe smoking and it just i just took to it like a duck takes to water i mean i gave up cigarettes and uh i was i think 27 years old at the time and just really enjoyed smoking a pipe and, and now it's been uh, well documented in all the uh in all the writings that you've done and including your uh your books that you've done the your your story into pipes and on your way around the world with them. So we'll skip over all that. If you want to hear that, you got to buy one of Rick's books or buy all of Rick's books and you can read it for yourself. Right, Rick? That's right. Or if you want to hear it, we, we actually have both books in search of pipe dreams and still searching for pipe dreams recorded as audio books. And, um, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback on those. Tremendous, tremendous feedback. Well, it's great to listen to something that doesn't have me in it. <laughs> I think we have you in there. I know in the print copy, the one typo I made was in a caption where you're in the picture next to Kevin Godby. And I didn't know Kevin at the time, and, and or I hardly knew him, and I, I thought his name was Brian. I don't know why, but I said so it was Brian Levine and Brian Godby. But fortunately, we corrected that in the e-book, and we talked about it during the audio book. But the, the point of the books was, is this evolution that I went through from having... Uh, 
you know, bucket pipes and drugstore tobacco, basically, uh, for a number of years, and then gradually sort of upgrading my collection and being drawn to pipe stores and drawn to uh, eventually the Internet and then eventually pipe shows and then to Europe. And so I tell the story about how this all sort of evolved. Yeah, and I'll and I'll also say again, one of the things I learned from your books was the uh, was the the artistry and the quality of some of the smaller brands like the pipes that were coming out of the Wilkie Pipe Shop and some of those older American made estate stuff. So it's not just all high end, uh, you know, high end super dollar pipes. No, that's right. I call those the the best bargain imaginable, um, and I smoke those a lot. I mean, I've got a pipe I plan to smoke tonight. It's called Jaeger Handmade. I don't think I could sell it for $25. And yet, I think if somebody offered me 2500 I wouldn't take it. I'd like that pipe so much. I mean, you know, the price of a pipe, and I've gotten kind of a bad rap because I've become friends with Yaskonovitz and Bonord and Lars Iverson, and, and the, the prices for their pipes are in the stratosphere. And, and they were always expensive, even from the time I met them, but nothing like the like happened in the last five years or ten years. And uh, so in that sense, I can see why somebody would say, oh, this guy's a pipe snob, but I'm not. I'm not. I smoke uh, all kinds of uh, uh, everyday pipes, but they have to be drilled out to my specifications. They have to have the mouthpiece just the way that I like them. These are all things that I talk about in the book that I've learned. Um, it takes it takes a long time to learn. But the, the main thing I think that comes through and that, that I've learned is are the pipe friendships that you make. Yeah. Um, that, that's one of the most appealing things about being a pipe collector, of the, the close friendships that we all have. And, and I'm talking about people, people around the world. That's so unique. And it's something, I mean, you know, do you think government bureaucrats could ever understand that? I mean, it's just it's like another world. You're speaking another language. Yeah, so that's that's a perfect transition to the article that you wrote for Reason.com titled The FDA's Unauthorized War on Pipes and Cigars, and it posted on uh, December 13th. Uh, There's links to it on the front page of PipesMagazine.com and uh, Fred Brown's response to reading the article. Uh, what first let me ask you uh what took you so long to write the article and then why did you do it okay it first of all I, i'm not in the business um i have my own a different business that i've started the media business and that really takes a lot of my time and um pipes to me are a hobby so as a hobbyist um i was hearing rumblings about what the fda was doing but i wasn't involved so i didn't you know i mean nobody from the fda called me or said uh, we want to look at your inventory and we want you to change your because I, I don't sell tobacco so um i wasn't directly involved but i just kept hearing rumors it this started i think in chicago in may and then i was at the las vegas show in november and at the banquet dinner Steve O'Neill, the show organizer, um, was introducing Marty Pulvers, the main speaker. And Steve made a point of saying that the Nashville Pipe Show had been canceled, and there were stories on YouTube saying the FDA canceled the Nashville Pipe Show. (laughs) And I remember thinking, that's crazy. 
Um, and then Steve said, no, it wasn't the FDA. It was people who were afraid to uh, stand up to the FDA. Well, so I did a little bit of research on that one because I was curious what, what happened. And I'm not sure those are the facts. I, I think some, some, maybe some sponsors used the FDA as the excuse to get out of it. I don't really know. Um, I never did find out. But it did, it did intrigue me. Then I have a friend who we published um, named Brad Radu, Dr. Brad Radu. He's an yeah. oral pathologist, a professor of medicine at the University of Louisville in Kentucky, and he is absolutely brilliant. And, and his specialty is mouth cancer. And he has concluded, where his expertise is that the government the government's war on smokeless tobacco is really unfounded and that smokeless tobacco is more than 98% safer than cigarette smoking. <laughs> he also um, is in favor of vaping as an alternative to cigarette smoking. His, his, his emphasis is what's called tobacco harm reduction. So he, and he has a blog called Tobacco Truth by Dr. Brad Radu. Yeah. And he did an analysis of the FDA. Apparently last summer the FDA announced they were going to impose uh, regulations on cigars and pipes. And so Brad looked at their research on cigar smoking because the FDA said um, that cigars are just as dangerous as cigarettes. And Radu said that, you know, looking at their own research, it doesn't show that because the average cigar smoker smokes one to two cigars a day. Um, and one to two cigars a day pose little to no significant health risk. So the FDA, the only way that cigars are as bad as cigarettes is if you smoke as many cigars as comparable usage. And so it was a real sleight of hand on the FDA's part. And so then um, I called Brad and said I really enjoyed his analysis of his two-part analysis of the FDA's research. And I said, why don't you write something about it and maybe try to apply it to pipes? And he said, no, I'm too busy and doing interviews and stuff like that, but why don't you write it? I said, okay, well, I'll think about it. <laughs> so then I was at the tinderbox, and I said, hey, and I pulled, they pulled out a big cigar, and we had a pipe. And I said, how many pipes equal one cigar, or how many cigars equal one pipe? And I wrote to different friends. I wrote to Adam Davidson, I wrote to Rich Esserman, asking this question, uh, Brian McNulty. And everybody had a different answer, but basically, you know, you could look at a big cigar and, and chop it up into maybe five pieces and fill five pipe bowls, like, say, a Dunhill Group 5, uh, you know, a standard-sized bowl, yeah. good size. You, you could fill up five pipe bowls with one cigar. But then I said, yeah, but how long does it take to smoke one cigar versus five pipe bowls? You know, so it's probably two pipe bowls. It would take about as much time as one cigar. So if if the FDA is correct that one to two cigars a day pose little to no health risk, then it's logical that uh, two to four pipe bowls a day without inhaling pose little to no health risk. That was my conclusion. So then I thought, oh, oh I know what happened. Um, I contacted Sykes Wilford and said, because, you know, smoking pipes is so successful and... I said, he had had a baby, so I was congratulating him and, <laughs> and asking, how's it going? And he said, the life is good, except for the this new FDA stuff. It's just driving us nuts. 
And as I asked him, you know, more about it, he then sent me a copy of the complaint, the, the legal filing, the lawsuit that was filed against the FDA. So I was able to read that and study it, and and um, I decided then to write the article. And in one part of it, you compare them regulating pipes to regulating a beer stein as a alcoholic product. Well, yeah, you see... Okay, the, the way it all started, there was a thing called the Tobacco Control Act. Um, it actually had a longer name, but in the lawsuit they summarized it as Tobacco Control Act of 2009 that um, the Congress passed. And this was when Pelosi was running the House and Harry Reid was running the Senate and Obama signed it. Yep. And it was aimed very specifically at preventing youth, young people from starting uh, cigarettes. Or, and so it had four categories that the FDA was allowed to regulate. Cigarettes, roll-your-own tobacco, um, smokeless tobacco, and fourth one, but it was related to cigarettes, whatever it was. And uh, it had made no mention of pipes or cigars. And that's because pipes and cigars, you know, are, uh, adults smoke pipes and cigars. Little kids don't run off and go out of the corner and buy a, a, a Cuban Havana cigar or a Dunhill 965 uh, luxury blend type tobacco. Um, so it was never aimed at children. But what's happened clearly is that the FDA, the tobacco unit, has become an anti-tobacco unit, and they're zealots, and they want to they want to wipe out all tobacco in America. So they... Um, they, the law uses the word deeming. They have the right to deem, D-E-E-M, another product uh, under their jurisdiction. So they deemed cigars and vibes to be under their jurisdiction, uh, which is just preposterous. Um, and then when it comes to pipes, I mean, it, remember, pipes are not a tobacco product. They're only allowed to, if, if they're allowed to regulate anything under this law, it's tobacco. But... How could they regulate a pipe? How could they tell a pipe maker you have to register with the federal government? I mean, it's so stupid. Um, <laughs> it, a pipe is not tobacco. Well, they have to take the position. The only way they can regulate it is they, oh, no, pipe is a component of pipe tobacco. It's not a vessel for consuming pipe tobacco. And I said, well, then by that logic, a beer sign is a component of beer, and a brandy glass is a component of brandy. I mean, it's just that's ridiculous. And the FDA is ridiculous, and I know they're going to lose this in court. I mean, there's no way that that could prevail. Just common sense. So the real problem to over-drinking is the abundance and ease of children to purchase shot glasses. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, that's a perfect spot for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more with Rick, so stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, 
bold latakias, spicy periques, or unique aromatics. We've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellandDeal.com. We are back visiting with Rick Newcomb. Uh, Rick, since you since you wrote the article, what's the response been? Have you have you uh, touched any uh, hot buttons in Washington D.C. yet? Well, I don't know about Washington D.C. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback. Um, Dan Lockler wrote a really nice, a kind email. Uh, Regis McCafferty, uh, Vernon Vig, David Rubel, Fred Berger, uh, Marty Pulver sent me a note. Said, you know, why don't you become a, the spokesman for the pipe world? I said, no, thank <laughs> you. I just like to enjoy my pipes and to write when I feel like it. And he wrote back and said, me too. <laughs> so we both chuckled over that. But no, I've gotten tremendously positive feedback. Um, beyond that, you know, I don't know any of the lobbyists or any of the uh, uh, people involved in this. I, I do know, talking to Sykes Wilford, he's hoping that the lawsuit will prevail. And I hope so, too. But I also think there's, there's kind of a mood. Uh, you know, there are a million reasons why Donald Trump and the Republicans uh, had the sweep they did in November. Yeah. And, but certainly one of the reasons is the anti-regulation. I mean, Trump, I've heard Trump, during, on the, when he was campaigning, said that as he toured the country over a year-and-a-half period, he thought the big issue with small business was going to be taxes. They're overtaxed. And he concluded, yes, they're overtaxed, but they're overregulated. And that seemed to be, that was, he was surprised to hear that was the number one uh, complaint from small business. Well, certainly, if you have a, a small pipe or cigar store, uh, you would join in the people making that complaint. Is, is it safe to say, and and I'm I'm trying to remove my inside the industry from this, but from the hobby standpoint, does it just look like this is just a broad sweep attack to annihilate tobacco completely and have a completely nicotine-free, tobacco-free society? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would certainly be the goal of a lot of these people. And they'll present the research, they'll twist it. I mean, this is why I love Dr. Rodu so much, uh, because he's called them on. And, you know, he's asked, for instance, on there to, to examine the research they use for smokeless tobacco when they say this product causes mouth cancer, and he says, no, it doesn't. And he has all kinds of research backing up his position. He asked for them. And they write back and say, no, you can't see our research. <laughs> and he's a taxpayer, you know. It's, you should consider having him on the show. He's, he's a fascinating character. He really understands. He says nicotine is no more harmful uh, than caffeine. Um, what, what is harmful is inhaling smoke into your lungs all day or through your mouth. And that's what causes throat cancer and lung cancer and, and mouth cancer and all kinds of other problems. Do you think the uh, the problem with cigarettes is also some of the other additives and maybe the paper that it's rolled in? Yeah, no question. All the all the chemicals, yes. In his book, for smokers only, um, he talks about you know the the many uh, carcinogens that are in 
contained within the chemicals and all with cigarette tobacco and cigarettes. All right, so besides going to uh, Reason.com and reading the article, what would you like for us to do, as, uh, especially as we get a new Congress in and we've got a, a new uh, administration in the White House? Yeah, you know, I don't really know. Um, I'm, I mean, from, from my point of view, I just really like to enjoy my pipes and to be left alone and to write about <laughs> why this makes me so happy. And, and the good friendships that I've developed. And, uh, um, you know, that. so as far as um, taking action for lobbying and so on, I just don't know. I, I don't know who, yeah, I would look to somebody who's in the business or to people who are in the business and ask for their advice. Yeah, and I, and I think I'll just, I'll just add in here from my standpoint, I think we're going to see some, some alterations to the FDA uh, deeming regulations, in particular the grandfather date, because they picked the same date that they picked for uh, for the cigarette and smokeless manufacturers. Uh, and the reason they picked that is that that was the date that the bill was introduced into Congress or originally. So they said, okay, we'll pick the date that they didn't know it was coming, and that was it. Uh, so I, I think we're... I feel pretty confident that we're going to see some changes in that. Um, I think we'll see, uh, you're right, there is a backlash right now going on against uh, an overly regulated society. Uh, yes. and, and I on think, the other hand, yeah. because the, the anti-tobacco movement has been, it's so overwhelmingly powerful, it's so much more powerful than so-called big tobacco, um, and big tobacco, which is the big cigarette companies, they, they sometimes like government regulations because it keeps, through things like grandfather clauses, it keeps new products out of the market, you know, and so they get sort of a government-guaranteed monopoly. And, and uh, yeah. this, you know, oh, I can't stand that stuff. I mean, to me, pipe smoking should just be about um, serenity and relaxation and excitement at, at finding new pipes and creativity with the pipe makers and, you know, figuring out what you like and experimenting and having a lot of uh, camaraderie with the hobby. This is a uh, completely uh, uh, completely off the subject and a gear shift uh, change here for you, but when you're, getting, when you're sitting at home and you're getting ready to, to sit down with a pipe, how long does it take for you to pick out the pipe and the tobacco for that? next hour yeah if i don't have a an easy answer i have pipes um you know on cab and cabinets on the walls and also uh um, on pipe racks and closets and so uh, sometimes what i'll do is I'll, I'll actually wake up in the morning and think about a pipe that i haven't smoked in a year and a half uh and um i'll i'll pull that one out and and sometimes too, I'll load it in the morning, so that the tobacco has all day to kind of dry out inside the bowl. I like that sometimes. Um, you know, my friend Dr. Bosca, David Bosca, who's the he's in his 80s. He's a, a medical doctor. A, a, he smokes a pipe or two a day, and he says, you know, they're just such a great way to get off cigarettes and to help you relax at the end of the day. And he's you know, an advocate for pipe smoking. He was featured in 
Rick Hacker's pipe book. He's featured in my pipe book. And he gave me a very special present um, about last August. It was the, uh, the Dunhill 1987 Sherlock Holmes pipe, uh, unsmoked. And he had bought it at the time and saved it these 30 years. And um, I then gave him a, a very special S-Bang pipe that we had traded years ago for an Ingo Garvey pipe, and, you know, the long story, but we're good friends. And um, But I told him I'm going to save that pipe, that Dunhill, since it was made in, in 1987, and that was when I started my company, Creator Syndicate. And uh, so I, I saved that Dunhill until January of 1987. I've smoked it twice now. I just love it. It's just so, so great. So there are a lot of different reasons how I pick a pipe. Um, you know, to smoke, and uh, and what tobacco I put in it. And let me let me ask you this from a business standpoint, because you you created a business, and the market that you're in has changed dramatically from when you started your business. Is that fair to say? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, can you see even under FDA regulations, if we do get all of these regulations, or maybe you know seventy five percent of them? Can you see the tobacco and the and the pipe industry adjusting and continuing, or can you see it getting completely killed? No, it'll it'll continue. Um, you know, if you, it's so funny. I mean, I'm a, I'm an optimist by by nature, and like in my business, you know, I, I started a company in the newspaper business, and and in 2017, newspapers are really struggling, as everybody knows. So we've moved into uh, book publishing, e-books, audio books, paper books, paperbacks, and you make adjustments. And in the same way, um, pipes have been around, you know, clay pipes were introduced in the 1500s, fryer pipes uh, in the mid-1800s. Um, Peter the Great was a pipe smoker. John Adams <laughs> was a pipe smoker. Uh, Johann Sebastian Bach was a pipe smoker. I mean, going way back. And, and I think, and, you know, I remember 10 years ago at pipe shows, all kinds of people my age, I'm 66, my age and older would say, oh, this future has no hobby, there are no young people, it's not going to last. And I never shared that opinion. And sure enough, uh, now you go to a show, I mean, the, the last Chicago show, on Sunday I said I'd like to, you know, reserve my table for next year. And... Um, I was told, oh, good, because it's almost sold out. Yeah. This is a full year in advance. So it was, like, amazing. There are all kinds of young people attracted to pipe, and I, and I predict they will continue to be, regardless of what the government does. Yeah, I, I've been in it for a few years now, and about five years ago I went from being one of the young guys to one of the old guys, and it happened overnight. Yeah, well, I've <laughs> Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> I remember in business, I was always the young Turk when I was at the Los Angeles Times, you know, a 28-year-old vice president, and uh, um, now I'm working with, you know, people who are 40 years younger than me. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank God for my son, because he's running the day-to-day -day operation, he's sort of, trans he's 34, he'll be 35 in March, and he sort of translates what the 22-year-olds are saying, you know. <laughs> they're, they're really wonderful people. Uh, and the, uh, the the sad part for the hobby is uh, if the uh, if the FDA does come in and 
get their grips into pipes and we lose some of these young creative pipe makers and uh, tobacco blenders that are doing things that us old guys now would have never thought of. Yeah, and I, I just don't, I don't think you should be pessimistic about that. Yeah. I think with the election, with the lawsuit, with um, if people, if you shined a spotlight on this, I mean, as I wrote in the article, the, the worst tyrants in history, you know, uh, Stalin, Hitler, Mao, they never forced pipe makers to register with the government. So, I mean, this is just ridiculous. This is bureaucracy run, run amok. They have, they have no authority to do this. <laughs> on, on that note, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions, which I don't think you got the first time you were on the show, so you're going to get them now. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. This will be the hardest one for you, but what is your favorite pipe? That's really hard. Um, I I would say I'll talk a sh- pipe shape. I like the apple pot billiard. Apple pot billiard. Yeah, where it has like an oh, wide open diameter in the tobacco chamber. That's something I've noticed. So many of the young new pipe makers, they have these beautiful looking pipes, and I look, and they've got a diameter that's just so tiny it's ridiculous <laughs> i i like it really i like what, what what i call a little giant you know the pipe doesn't have to be magnum sized but i like a really good sized bowl okay so you want a you want a good sized bowl on a, a medium to smaller size pipe that's correct all right what is your favorite tobacco to put in that pipe english english oriental um and the, that's a mix, you know, 965, early morning, Balkan Sobrani, Balkan Ticini, um Margate, Pembroke, Crown Achievement. Are you kind of, are you dedicated to one tobacco primarily, or do you, uh, do, do you mix Those it The around? ones I just mentioned off the top of my head are the ones I smoke most of the time. So every so often I'll have, uh, for a change of pace, I like a Virginia with Perique, um, kind of in a scudo, but I, I like the one Craig Tarley to sell, and I only have a little bit of that left. It's dated 2000. This was from Cornell and Deal. And now um, Cornell and Deal still offers it under a new name. It used to be called a scudo by Cornell and Deal, and I think the scudo folks told me change the name. <laughs> so I think now it's called exclusive, something like that. Every so often I'll have that at least once a week, have a bowl of that as a change of pace. What is your favorite drink? Probably coffee. Either that or protein powder drinks. <laughs> yeah, because you, you and your vitamins and all your exercising, and we didn't even get into your bodybuilding career, which we'll skip right I over. I do. I, I love bodybuilding, and, I, and it, I'm so glad I did it when I was young because now at 66, I work out six hours a week, and it's, you know I keep a, a log, and, and it's really important to me, and it's, it does help you, help you stay young. <laughs> uh, this is, I believe pipe smoke. I believe I'm with Ed Colpin. You live longer with a pipe as long as you don't inhale and limit it to you know two or three pipe bowls a day and don't inhale. Um, it really does help lower my blood pressure and it helps me relax and, and enjoy life more. And when it is time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? I like all three. I'm a voracious reader. Um, I love music, especially classical music, and uh, um, 
and then, you know, every so often I'll get hooked on a TV series. Like lately I've been watching something called The Fall, which is uh, on Netflix, and it's a series starring Gillian Anderson and this incredible actor um, who plays a serial killer, but a, but, but, but a sympathetic one. He's like a really good <laughs> father, and an, it's just an amazing series called The Fall. So every so often I'll get hooked on something like that and watch it. And then the uh, the last question, and I've got two answers to this of my own that I'll that I'll give afterwards. But uh, do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory that you want to share? I have so many, um, and so many. When you talk about memory, a lot of them relate to people who were close to me who died, and uh, and they tell these stories and they tell their stories in the book. So that like with Jim Benjamin in San Diego. Um, just standing, watching him clean up pipes and buff them out and, and then smoking it and it just smoked like a dream or with Ed Lehman in Chicago, um, being on a train with Ed and we're swapping pipes, you know, kind of in secret with everybody else reading the newspapers or whatever. This was a long time ago. Or with Bo Nord sitting out on his patio and, and just, you know, Bo smelling the, the wheat fields that had just been cut and well, I'll, I'll share my two because they both involve you. One, I think I've talked about before, but was, it was watching you and Mitch Michelson at the West Coast Pipe Show a couple of years back trading a pipe for a pipe. And just seeing those two pipes go to you know, go across the table and the person that... You know, it it's a long it's a long involved story, but it was just it was just a really beautiful moment for me to sit there and watch as two pipes went from... You know, to new homes, and they were both admired. Uh, and the other one was the uh, was seeing the face on my daughter when she saw how much that S bang that you donated to the JDRF auction sold for, and she was kind of uh, shocked, surprised, and uh, and uh, had a big smile on her face. No, that's great, and that's really a tribute to Peter Field too, in Oregon. He's a great collector. We've become yeah. friends just by. We've never met face-to-face, but that's the beauty of this hobby. I mean, I have so many good friends. I, I can't tell you. Yes, kind of it, and I talk all the time by phone. Lars Iverson, and I've become really close. Same with the S. Bang pipe makers. Uh, uh, Jeff Grasick and Ernie Markle and uh, Todd Johnson. You, and I mentioned Adam Davidson or Bruce Weaver. They're just the American pipe makers who I, I like. I mean, these are... They're just great human beings, and especially if they're young and they're working, they're devoting their whole life to pipes. I mean, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, and I said it a couple of weeks ago, you're uh, you're partly responsible for Ken Barnes coming on the show and he spoke so highly of you that and and you wrote the article and it was all it, it, you're right, it is. There these are beautiful little pieces of wood that uh, burn tobacco, but it's really the people that are behind them. I know. I mean, Ken, I love Ken Barnes. He's a great guy and uh and he went through some tough times, and I went through some tough times. You know, we all come out of it, and it's the friendships. That, that's the key to the whole hobby. That's what makes it so exciting and so much fun. And the people at the FDA are totally clueless yeah. about this. Well, Rick, we thank you very much. I'm going to suggest that everybody uh, send a link on, of this article to all their members of Congress and Senate and let them read that and see that and uh, keep doing all the writing you do and we appreciate it. 
Oh, thanks very much. And actually, I find to say I appreciate your radio show. I listen to it all the time. While you're sorting your vitamins. That's exactly right. <laughs> I set out like a seven-day supply of vitamins listening to Ice Magazine Radio. We'll be back in just a minute. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. This is Internet Radio. We are back. I want to apologize. I know we were having some uh, sound level issues in there, and I guess you could kind of uh, pick up me goofing around with stuff and trying to get it figured out there, or Kevin goofing around, but I hope we got it as uh, quietly fixed as possible. Uh, I want to thank Rick again for his time and for writing that letter. Do check it out. Again, it's on PipesMagazine.com. If you look in the Fred Brown article on the front page, there's a direct link to Reason.com. All right, for music, uh, found out Ray Charles used to smoke a pipe in his uh, younger days. And uh, so I was skimming through earlier today and found an old recording of an instrumental that he did, and it's got a title that I love. It's called Black Coffee. Thank you. 
I'm not sure what brand of coffee that was, but boy, that was uh, some smooth and rich coffee and makes me want to go have a big cup of coffee right now. Tuesday, Monday, you've got mail. Tuesday, Wednesday, you've got mail. Thursday, Friday, you've got mail. In the mailbag, going back to last week's show, Casey Ghost writes, Another good show. Really enjoyed the discussion of aging tobaccos. Personally, I really enjoy Virginias that are 20 years old, but I'm way past the age where I can store tobaccos for that long. Uh, For some reason, eBay has really dried up on really well-aged tobaccos. Let me pause right here and answer that comment. eBay has dried up on really really well-aged tobaccos because eBay has clamped down on the sale of tobaccos online, And you have to list them as collectible tins. And if anybody complains, they yank them down. Uh, 
and this is all probably related to the FDA. Uh, anyway, eBay at times has gone on these uh, jihads of uh, what's allowed and what's not, so keep an eye out. Maybe they'll be there. Or the other thing that could be happening is uh, people are keeping their stuff instead of selling it. Uh, anyway, Dan goes on to write, I had never heard of Brighton de los Santos, but enjoyed the interview very much. For a very young man, he has met a lot of the players in the industry. His pipes are highly stylized versions of classic shapes. I don't recall you saying how much he charges for the pipes. The music selection was quite good. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what Brighton charges for his new uh, for his new production stuff under the Brighton James name. And uh, glad you like the music. Hopefully I've got some news on that, maybe in a couple of weeks. Uh, Voorhees said, what a classic rant. Loved it. Yeah, zero, three, two, one. Um, especially as I was changing my air filters out over the weekend. Um, and then uh, finally, I got an email from Jeffrey Vanek. Hope I pronounced your last name right. And he says, Brian, love the show. I started listening after the Chicago Pipe Show a few years ago. Just curious about your opening song selection to the podcast. It doesn't seem to fit the pipe smoking genre. Just look at the type of people that attend a pipe show like Chicago. How many of them would you think listen to Ozzy Osbourne? Any thought to changing it to something that might fit the pipe smoking community a little better? Um, yeah, let me, let me back up and tell you the story behind that. So the first couple of episodes of the show were a little edgier, a little more, um, a little more morning FM uh, rock DJ soundish, and then we quickly found out that our listenership wanted to ta- wanted to pull it back. Uh, that song in particular kind of worked out with the train and the smoking lamp and uh, the kind of the uh, sound, but yet was a more modern take on it. Thoughts of changing it? Yeah, I've thought about it. And every time I've thought about it, I've been told no. Uh, I'll leave it up to you guys. You vote. Let me know. Do you want to change it? I've got a couple of ideas of ways to change the intro and ways to uh, update it. Thought about it. Been told don't do it. If you've got some ideas or you want to weigh in on it, let me know. All right. uh, Real quickly, February 18th, St. Louis Pipe Show is coming up quickly upon us. And then in uh, March, and if I can pull up the date while I'm talking about it, that would be wonderful. Uh, In March is the New York Pipe Show in Newark, New Jersey, March 11th. So uh, set your clocks and your calendars. Those are the next two pipe shows coming up in the United States. And don't forget International Pipe Smoking Day on February 20th. All right, in just a minute, we'll have rant time, but right now, we'll have a little bit of fun time. If the number of pipes you own outnumbers the pair of shoes in your wife's closet, you might be a pipe collector. If your pipes are included in your will, you might be a pipe collector. If you can name every one of your pipes but have to think about your children's names, you might be a pipe collector. If your pipe collection is the first thing you grab in a house fire, you might be a pipe collector. 
If you've replaced the pictures on your wall of your kids with pictures of your pipes, you might be a pipe collector. Cowboy. Cowboy. If you have noticed, I have stayed away from much of the political conversations going on. Yes, we've had a little bit of time dedicated towards the FDA, but I have stayed away from the politics of the world in this show. Why? Because (coughs) this show is about pipes and pipe tobacco, and that's what you come here for. Therefore, if... A celebrity, say a very famous actress, goes off on a long rant about the current political affairs. She has that right to do that, but she also needs to expect to hear repercussions from it. If a celebrity voices an opinion on the political affairs of the country, they have the they have the right to do that, but they also have to be prepared for the repercussions or the response. And they have to accept the repercussions or the response. They cannot just flat out deny it or disavow it. They have to be able to be ready for what's going to come back at them. We all in the United States of America have the rights to voice our opinions and therefore we also need to expect to hear other people's opinions and not get upset when they do it. In the setting of a Pipes Magazine radio show, I'll set my opinion. I'm the leading expert on it. But I will keep it to this subject and this subject only. In the settings of a Hollywood award show, I would prefer that it maybe be a short commentary, but then go on to the awards show or the reason that they're there. That's just my two cents. And if the uh, Academy of uh, Podcasts and uh, Online Radio ever wants to give me an award, I'll talk about the show mostly. All right, there you go. Uh, Remember, email me. Got any questions, comments, suggestions? Brian at PipesMagazine.com or post the comments right there on PipesMagazine.com on the radio show's page. If you haven't had a chance, please stop by iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. We would greatly appreciate that. Uh, Pipe shows coming up. Make sure and try to plan to get yourself to a pipe show this year. More important than ever to uh, come out in force and support the pipe shows. And, uh, hey, thanks to Rick Newcomb for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. When we're together Just sing a song And think about sunny weather Happy trails to you Till we meet
Pum, 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 pum,